You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus, who is begotten of God, who is born of God, keeps him, the believer, and the wicked one does not touch him. You see what I'm saying here? It's Jesus that keeps us. It's Jesus that has us. It goes back to our position in Christ. If I'm responsible to keep myself from sinning, I'm in a heap of trouble. I'm in a heap of trouble. But as I abide in Christ, he abides in me and he strengthens me. His love constrains me. And I am in him more than a conqueror, it says. When you think of how commonplace sin is in our world, it can be pretty daunting to try and think of ways to avoid it. But in today's message, Pastor Dave speaks about how if we remain in Jesus, he will help us fight off the temptations of sin. What a relief, huh? None of us would be able to fight off sin on our own. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Christian Life is the Real Life. You are we've been making our way through this first epistle of the apostle john and we find ourselves now at these last verses so if you have a bible turn to 1 john 5 verses 18 through 21 which is the study that we'll be doing this morning as we wrap this up we are in 1 john 5 verses 18 through 21. If you found your way there, if you would allow me to read aloud to you, and you could follow along silently with me. The first epistle of the Apostle John, chapter 5, verse 18. John writes through the Holy Spirit, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let's pray. Father... As we come now to finish this incredible, incredible read, your word has touched us in many, many ways. Your word has shown us many different things. Your word has given us the assurances of eternal life. The word has given us assurances of being your children, assurances of being born of God. Your word has given us many assurances that we can cling to as your children. And Lord, we know that now in this word, in your life, is the real life. So help us, Lord, now as we come to these last scriptures to lay aside any sin, any weight, anything that is ensnaring us. Help us, Lord, to just concentrate on what you would say to your church today. Help us, Lord, to glean from these scriptures your words. And as we sang this morning, word of God, speak. 
speak to our hearts. As you find our hearts open, word of God, speak to each one. Build us up in your word. Help us, Lord, to be doers of your word, not hearers only. Help us, Lord, to have the assurance that your word gives us and know that we know. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that we can come here and gather together in your name, worship you in spirit and truth, study your word and pray and know that you're working mightily in our lives, the life of this church, the life of this community. Oh, Lord, how we pray that we would be a light to this community, that people would be drawn to you through Jesus Christ, that they would see in us and you would be glorified. Thank you, Lord. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you noticed that everywhere you seem to turn these days, you're faced with a decision, a decision about what is true and what is false, real or fake, true or false. It seems like this choice is always before our eyes, especially on social media. There are people claiming to be someone else. We don't really know who we're talking to or who we're friends with. And then there's the TV, fake news, real news, which is which. The problem is that there are things that are obviously false, but yet there are those things that have some truth mixed into it. So it's difficult to realize. There's confusion in our hearts. There's confusion as we look to see what is real and what is true. I remember a a time when all I had to worry about whether it was live or Memorex. But sadly, the truth seems to have been hidden from view these days. Many do not know what to believe. But as we studied this epistle, John has told us we know. The Christian knows. We know the difference between real and fake. We know what is true and what is false. This is what the Apostle John has been driving home and showing us through this letter. He's been showing us a life that is real. And as we started this first epistle, like I said, in June 2020, we said that John's desire, John's desire in his heart, was that the Christian would know with confidence, would know with assurance that they too could live a life that was true, a life that was real through Jesus Christ. We even said and talked about the song that was popular back in the 80s, a song that has regained some popularity. Ask the question, is this the real life or is it fantasy? Are we caught in a landslide with no escape from reality? But John has told us that the Christian can live in an atmosphere of reality compared to the world, which lives in an atmosphere of pretense, an atmosphere of fantasy. John says that the Christian has been given discernment, discernment to be able to tell between truth and the lie. The discernment comes from the Holy Spirit, which everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who has accepted his sacrifice on the cross, who declares him Lord and Savior, everyone who has Jesus has been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads the Christian into truth. He's called the Spirit of truth. This discernment helps us to know true and false. See, for the Christian, it's not a choice of good and bad. It's a choice between true and false. And as we studied through this incredible letter, we found that John insisted that the Christian can know, the Christian can have assurance and have confidence that he has salvation, that he has been born of God, that he is a son or she is a daughter of the one true living God. 
can have that assurance. And John says, you know, you know. He uses this word time and time again. And as he finishes his epistle, he reaffirms the knowledge that the Christian should have. The assurance that as a Christian, we can walk boldly through this life in a real, in reality. We know what awaits us. And we know it's who keeps us safe and secure in this life. John uses his favorite phrase, we know, three times in four scriptures. Three times in four scriptures. It's almost as he's saying, come on, Christian, you know. It's interesting, but we usually use this phrase when we're talking to somebody, trying to get them to remember somebody. Oh, yeah, such and such, you know. That's what John is telling us today. You know these things, Christian. Bring them forth. Bring them from your brain into your heart and let that be the truth of what you're doing. John is simply affirming that which what we already know. Being born of God, being God's child. We know these things and have assurance. Why? Because we have God's word on it. Jude declares in his epistle, having confidence in him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. John wants you to know today that you can maintain this Christian life while living in a false world. You can maintain this reality of the Christian life while living in a false world. As I said, John drives his home by using the phrase, we know, three times in four verses, and he uses the word true three times in one verse, in verse 20. John begins by saying something profound in verse 18a. You know that whoever is born of God does not sin. What? You know that whoever is born of God does not sin. This is a real interesting statement by the Apostle John. Since we read back in the beginning chapters that if we say we have no sin, we make God to be a liar. And the truth is not in us. Don't run out screaming, yelling, and hollering, and don't get all hung up on this. John is not preaching sinless perfection. The Greek words that are used here are clear. The one born of God, the one born of the Spirit, does not practice, does not continue in habitual sin. This is what John is saying. In other words, to the Christian, sin is not the common practice of their lives. Does not mean we never sin does mean that we are no longer slaves to sin because we've been freed from the power of sin by the cross. And that's what it means. See, our carnal nature was a slave to sin. Somebody wrote this, and I think it's pretty profound. We were not sinners because we sinned. We sinned because we were sinners. Paul speaks of us having the nature of the children of wrath, even like others do. So we're born with this nature, this children of wrath nature. But we've been born again. We've been born again into a living hope. We've been born again. We've been regenerated. We now have a new nature. We have a spiritual nature that now has been placed in us. And this battle that rages on between true and false, our focus must be who we are in Jesus Christ. We must focus on him, the perfect one. Him, the one true God. Not all these other false gods that are in the world. Not all these other falsities that are coming in us. We need to focus on the one true living God and we are in Christ through him. The Christian must focus on his position in Christ because this is his new nature. 
Paul, writing to the Corinthians the second time, said these very familiar scriptures to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The promise. Anyone who is in Christ. Who does that leave out? Leaves out those who are not in Christ, doesn't it? It says, who anyone who is in Christ. This is a promise for those who are not into themselves. Those who are not who are steeped in some sort of religious activity, trying to get to God through a religion or something else. It's promised to those who are in Christ. If you are born of God by the Spirit, this is your new position. You are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have now become new. And here is the great principle of regeneration. Jesus Christ changes those who come to him by faith. Those who are in him. The saved are not just forgiven. They are changed and made into a new creation. We're new. You can't help. But go back to the chosen and look at the very first couple episodes. The way Mary was before she met Jesus. Her very words to Nicodemus. I'm not who I was. I'm different now. What was the difference in her life? Jesus Christ. That was the difference in her life. Being a new creation doesn't mean perfection yet. It means that we are changed and we are being changed moment by moment from glory to to glory. And who makes us a new creation? God. It's God has done something in us. You know, it's not turning over a new leaf. It's not getting your act together. Oh, just get your act together. No. The life of the new creation is not something that God has done for us. It's something God has done in us. Paul tells the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, put off the old and put on the new. Put off the old man and put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and in holiness. Who's he saying? Put on Christ. Put on the new man. Be in Christ. Be the new you. The army wants you to be all you can be. I say, be who you are in Christ. Be who you are in Jesus Christ. That's the reality. That is the reality that we need to live up to. That reality that we need to realize in our heart that what has truly happened. And these are the things that John says you should be sure of. John's saying, you know, you know. If we are in Christ, then we have all the resources to live the real life. We have all the resources necessary to be free from habitual sin. John already told us, in his third chapter of his first epistle in chapter 9, he says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Remember, he's talking about continual, unrepented sin, living a lifestyle of habitual sin. So who keeps us from sinning? What keeps us from sinning? Well, let's look at verse 18b. A tricky verse here, but... He who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Now, the words here are really confusing, really, really confusing words. The answer is who keeps us is Jesus Christ. He keeps the believer so that the enemy can't get his hands on him. So as I'm abiding in Christ, it's paramount 
that he keeps me from the enemy. It's like hiding behind your big brother. When you realize you are a new creation, you realize that you don't have a choice anymore. I mean, you have a choice, not to sin. Pardon me. When you're a new creation, you now have that choice. The text is difficult to read, and it gives you an idea that you keep yourself from sinning. Well, I can do this. I can keep myself from doing that. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I tried that. It don't work. It don't work. My flesh is pretty strong and always does what it wants to do. In the original King James, this is how it reads. And this is what you should think about. He, meaning Jesus, who is begotten of God, who is born of God, keeps him, the believer, and the wicked one does not touch him. You see what I'm saying here? It's Jesus that keeps us. It's Jesus that has us. It goes back to our position in Christ. If I'm responsible to keep myself from sinning, I'm in a heap of trouble. I'm in a heap of trouble. But as I abide in Christ, he abides in me and he strengthens me. His love constrains me and I am in him more than a conqueror, it says. When I am weak, he is strong. When I surrender to him, he accomplishes what needs to be done in me. It's not something I can do on my own. I can't wake up in the morning and go, today I'm not going to sin. Well, that works until I get out of bed. He says, the wicked one won't touch me. For my life is now hid in Christ. In order to get to me, the wicked one has to go through Jesus to get to me. If we are born of him, if we are abiding in him, when we we have the protection against the wicked one. Guzik says, it's a unique protection that does not belong to the one who was not born of him. Knowing this gives us godly confidence in spiritual warfare, unquote. John wants you to know your position in Christ He wants you to know that you are born of God and God has you and holds you in the palm of his hand and that nothing can rip you out of that hand, that you are secure, that you are knowing that God has you right there and that nothing will befall you that hasn't been sifted through his hands in the first place. He continues in verse 19, again, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So John points out that the Christians are of the truth. We know we are of God. God is truth. Everything about God is true. So we know that we are born of God. We are of the truth. We belong to him. And since we are bo- belong to him, we're born of him. And we know that we can live the life that is real. All this knowledge is coming to you from, from John saying, listen, guys, you got to get this. you got to let it sink deep into your hearts and know it and walk worthy of this. you got to walk in this light. What's going on? And he makes a contrast here. The world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The life in the world is not real. It's a world of fantasy. It's a world of make-believe. The worldly life is not the real life. My reality of my life is found in Jesus Christ. And yours is too. That's where the reality of our life is. In Christ, we've been set free from the bondage of sin. The world is still held captive by the wicked one. The wicked one has power over the inhabitants of the world. But we're not of this world because John just said, we belong to God. We've been given our freedom through Jesus Christ. We don't have to sin. The world doesn't have a choice because they have a wicked taskmaster. The evil one is in charge over them. Paul told the church in Rome that they were no longer slaves of sin, but they were alive in Christ. Again, our position. No longer slaves of sin. We're alive in Christ. Another magnificent assurance that is given to us. John says, you have to know this without a doubt. Put it to rest. 
put it to rest that this has happened. This is now our position. We are of God. We belong to God. We have been blood bought. Our lives have new meaning. Our lives have new purpose. Before I knew Christ in my life, before he came in, I had no purpose in my life. I just wandered around aimlessly, trying to fulfill all the lust of the flesh, trying to fill everything that was evil, everything that was no good. And that was what my life was. It wasn't real. It was make-believe. It was a fantasy. But when Christ came into my life, I became this new creation. I became born again. I became in the spirit new. And behold, all things started new. It's like I, I looked and saw things for the first time because of Christ. And that's the experience that we have. New purpose, new meaning, new value. I had no value in my life before. Now I have value because of Christ. I'm a child of the king. And I have all the rights and privileges as a child. And because of this, the wicked one now has no sway over me. He has no control over me. For my life now is hid in Jesus Christ. Folks, we need to settle this in our hearts. This needs to be settled in our hearts because this is the real life. We, we need to realize that this has been settled and established. It has been confirmed through the word of God to us. It's a promise that we must claim, that we must take for ourselves. John makes his final assurance in verse 20. Again, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true. And his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. John says we know that Jesus has come. How do we know? First of all, God's word tells us so. But we also have experiential knowledge. I know by experience that Christ has come. How do I know? I look at back at the old Dave, and now I see the new Dave. The new person in Christ. I see what I was, and I now see that I am different. And I look at the common denominator as Christ, just like what Mary said. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. The only hope I might add. The truth has come to reside in you. Our knowledge of him through the word of God. Our perceptions of him working out in our lives leads us to this personal and continuous consciousness of Jesus Christ. We know him. We've seen him. We've seen him at work in our lives, and I have seen him at work in your life. I have seen Jesus in each one of you. I have seen that. I have seen him, and it encourages me, and keeps me strong, and keeps me moving forward as I see Jesus in you, shining through you. We've experienced this. We've seen him. So that we too can say like John, we beheld his glory, because I see his glory in each one of you. I see that glory shining through, the glory of the Son, only begotten of the Father. We see that. We know with all insurance that he is genuine. He's the real deal. He's the one true son of God. There is nothing artificial about him. See, all this is the secret of the real life that John has been talking about now for these five chapters. A life lived in truth. A life lived in the reality of the newness we are in Jesus Christ. Because we've met the true God through Jesus Christ, and we are in contact with him, we are in contact with reality. And we have fellowship with a God who is real. A God who is genuine. We have fellowship with him. Our time with you has come to an end today on A Sure Hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 1 John 
In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more information. Perhaps you prefer email. If so, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 John. We look forward to the next time as Pastor Dave will share more things that God has put on his heart from this New Testament letter. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and be reminded of God and that He is a sure hope.